0: Are you ready to live a more free, healthy, and abundant life? Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system for self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. And you can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging... And learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. They can help you get off-grid and learn what systems to employ for food, water, and energy self-reliance. And live abundantly and in full connection with your property and what you produce. Click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest and have your own sustainable source of livelihood and become self-sufficient with food forest abundance. Just click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest today. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today my guest is Caroline Corey. First, I have a couple of announcements. If you have a business and you want to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We have absolutely unbeatable pricing and advertising packages. Our website is forbiddenknowledge.news. This is also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You're going to find amazing podcasts featured from our community there. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get our premium content. But you also get all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also create a free account and get tons of free content, including all of our regular shows. You just go to rockfin.com slash FKN Plus or click the link in the description to sign up. Today I want to welcome back to the show Caroline Corey. She is an award-winning filmmaker and the visionary author of the best-selling books on consciousness, science, and energy medicine. As a child and throughout her life, she has had numerous ESP and otherworldly encounters, which led her to become deeply connected to existential topics, the study of consciousness, and the mechanics of the universe. After teaching energy medicine and consciousness work for over a decade, she founded Omnium Media, an entertainment and media platform that tackles various thought-provoking topics on the human condition and the nature of reality. Caroline, welcome back. How you doing?
1: I'm great, Chris. How have you been?
0: I am busy, but excellent, and so are you. It's always great talking with you. I am so excited to talk about your newest film, A Tear in the Sky, and this has some of the best and most authentic footage of extremely anomalous UAP and UFOs that I've ever seen. Uh, This may help us understand a small piece of this massive puzzle, of ufology, so I can't wait to get into this. Uh, now, all of your films cover some of my favorite topics, but what brought you to make this one? Yeah,
1: so, you know, as you've seen my other films, what I tried to do as a filmmaker is to bring credibility or some sort of uh, validation to topics that are considered paranormal so it's kind of like i'm making the paranormal normal and the way to do that is to bring science you know to bring whatever science we have to uh, get to that sort of validation so i've done that with previous topics and a couple of years ago uh, i was going to originally do the sequel of um, my previous film And I had this inspiration. No, 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 no. you have to go and do a UFO film. (laughs) And I was like, okay, but I gotta bring science to the topic. How do you do that? So what was fascinating, you know, as a filmmaker, the first thing you do is you research, you know, is there something like this on this topic? And I was shocked to see that there were never, this had never been done before, a scientific investigation, uh, not on previously captured videos or clips or data, but like kind of from scratch, (laughs) you know, no one's done it this way. And I thought, bingo, that's exactly what I have to be doing. And uh, that's how the idea came about. And uh, we set out to do a, a expedition to try to capture UFOs in real time under scientific, um, kind of, with the scientific approach, therefore we wanted to have a huge amount of data collection devices across the spectrums, uh, different locations, and so on and so forth.
0: Now, uh, talk about some of the locations you've chosen and the reasons uh, you chose those locations.
1: Yeah. So what happened was as I was doing this research, I wanted to put the team together from scratch. So get some scientists and experts together. And as I was researching who else is out there doing anything like this, I stumbled on Kevin Day. Kevin Day was the radar operator on the USS Nimitz for people who I'm sure a lot of people heard about the Tic Tac objects. Uh, you know, that the Navy captured, they made the headlines, 2017. And he was the first one who captured it on his radar on the USS Nimitz. And so we started talking. And before I knew it, he said, oh, well, I've been wanting to do the same thing. I have scientists on my team. Uh, We've never done it. So this would be amazing if that's what you want to do in the film. So he was already on the ship, interested in bringing that uh, story back, if you will, more importantly, validate his story, you know? And there were two other folks from the same ship. And so because of that, and also there were other ships all in the same area, which is the Catalina area. Interestingly enough, his ship in 2004 and other ships in 2014, 15, 17, the USS Omaha, the USS Kidd, all capturing similar objects. What's that about, right? So, but in terms of location, it kind of made sense. Why should we go anywhere else? We should just go to the same place where it all started.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Now, talk a little bit about your technical team and the team that was in charge of getting footage uh, with all these different devices.
1: Yeah, so one person on this team was David Mason. David Mason is an inventor actually, an engineer, and he had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, so it was a gift <laughs> to have him on the team. And the type of equipment that we have had was not just a regular kit. That's the problem with the UFO world, is that it's just commercial grade cameras usually Um, one angle, one person, maybe multiple witnesses, but it's always one kind of angle and one type of equipment. So what we've done, we had regular cameras, we had night vision, we had FLIR cameras. For those who don't know, this is about 10 times the range of a regular night vision in the infrared spectrum. That's huge. Uh, We had spectrum analyzers radiation detectors, uh, magnetometers, RF signal. I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole spectrum of physics covered by all these devices. So that was amazing that we got to use military-grade equipment to collect this data. This is the first ever in ufology. That's why this film is so important and educational because that's the problem that we're missing in ufology you know it's like it's not enough data but we don't know what's on the other side what's the other angle how do we know the camera was what, you see so that's how we rule out possibility that it's a one camera malfunction because it was captured on other cameras you can't tell me all the cameras were all malfunctioning at the same time you see and that's how the data also becomes scientific
0: yeah, and you were going in, uh, not I'm going to say worried, but uh, very hopeful that you would see something. And it didn't take long for, for the team to to start catching anomalous objects and things that they could rule out as, you know, not regular aircraft or even satellites, right?
1: Yeah, right. So, you know, we were hopeful. I mean, I was thinking, what are the odds, you know? I mean, how many stories have you heard where people go on an expedition and nothing happens? So <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, please show off like something. I need what one- this is a movie. After all, it was very costly. If you saw the production quality, I mean, we were this was a big crew with like we had like 10 cameras running, you know, uh, at one time. And so so I was really at hoping for just one really incredible, compelling thing. And we ended up with tons of things you know in five days which is that's another proof that there is so much data we just don't know how to collect it if in five days we as civilians and scientists but i mean as civilians we go out with the right equipment and um and the right location i want to say and we capture hundreds of hours of data, and not only the typical things that people see you know, on YouTube, I mean, we did have those, but we also had the Tic Tac-like objects, which is crazy. We had stuff raining down, and at the end of the movie, as you know, we captured this crazy anomaly. So we ended up, it was way, way, way beyond my expectations.
0: It makes you wonder if you guys spend only five days out there and the massive amount of footage you got, uh, what our own government and black projects already have. You know that they have much, much more and so much hidden information about this phenomenon. It makes you wonder how much they really know and are hiding from us and even how much of it is even theirs, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. That that's my point. Is that if in five days we as civilians go out and you know start recording, and we get so much, I mean, there's no question that these were anomalous objects. I mean, you have stuff literally coming out, appearing in the frame out of nowhere, rotating. You can see the ship, the shape, uh, and then disappearing. And then you have things that are registering cold on the camera. Then you have things that are going against the wind and you have things, you know, that opening and closing and things literally raining down. These aren't camera glitches. I mean, that's the first thing we, what we do as scientists, the scientists in a movie, we try, I mean, they try to debunk themselves (laughs) because their neck is on, they're not going to go out and say, oh, we captured this and that, you know, they want to really analyze the heck out of it, you know, to make sure it's not some sort of prosaic you know object uh, explanation you know and so so if in five days we got so much and the government saying oh we don't have enough data and or we don't know well they have all the telescopes and they have all the radars pointing in the sky uh you know picking up all sorts of anomalies all the time there's no way they don't have data i just don't buy that
0: now, one thing I wanted to ask you, you got to work with uh, the one and only William Shatner, and you work with him often, quite often. Uh, what's it like to work with uh, Mr. Shatner?
1: Oh, my God, that was a blast. So the only reason why, I mean, the only, uh, one of the reason why we got him, even though this was a scientific uh, expedition, you know, he's not a scientist. Everybody knows who he is. <laughs> right. uh, it was really to try to make, again, this subject, more relatable, more mainstream, mm. you know, and so I, because that's the problem. We, when you, when in ufology, you, you know, people think you're crazy, you're weird, you know, you're just this kind of cult <laughs> or something. And when, when you make something more relatable, more mainstream, it, it's, it's easier to talk about these things without ridicule, you know, it becomes a mainstream conversation, which it is starting to happen when the government And so because of that, I wanted to invite someone who was like uh, kind of would help us bridge the gap, you know, from ufology, from science, also to uh, the science fiction, from science fiction to science, you know. And of course, he came to mind. uh, It was amazing. It just kind of came, just happened, to be honest. Um, You know, I contacted his office and, you know, I said, this is what we're doing. And... Yeah, he said, okay. (laughs) So it was very interesting and very fun working with him.
0: That's great. Now, you were also looking for evidence of possible communication between Mm -hmm. these UAPs and us and forms of communication, uh, whether it be sound or lights or blinking or things of that nature, right?
1: Yeah, so David Mason had those inventions that are
0: mind-blowing.
1: I mean... (laughs) mind-blowing i've never seen anything like this before and he has more inventions we only featured a couple uh, in the film so basically these devices would project frequencies into space but also could retrieve uh the light signature of an object in the sky so if you would point the 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 binoculars um, to the object even a star or any object you basically can hear what you see and this with this device you can basically send back that same signal to the object so and the idea is that is the normal way of communication is to send back the signal that you are receiving so we had these uh devices running 24 7 and we tried them it was very very fascinating to put that to the test because we had never done it at that scale and uh, yeah and and so right the next day is what, what was it the next the next i think it was that evening i want to say no i think it was we did it at 3 a.m at night i remember very well this when we were filming because we were so tired <laughs> you know it was at the end of the day it was at night and it was literally the next morning that we had a couple a few hours later that we had those we captured these raining tic tacs uh, also that I've never seen before. Literally a bunch of things falling down, raining down from the sky hitting the water. And so did we trigger it? We don't have proof. We certainly have a, an interesting time correlation. And so, so that's kind of what we're working on. We were, we we're studying more and more the data. And of course, we're going to do more of these expeditions to find out how uh, the system works.
0: That's great. This is exactly what we need more of, people going you know, deep into this kind of scientific research about uh, what could possibly be going on. And speaking of that, something very interesting that uh, you discovered was some of these UAPs have l- low temperatures or no temperature showing up uh, on the, the FLIR camera, meaning that uh, they don't have any propulsion, right? Lately we have been introducing you to all the amazing products Ascent Nutrition has to offer. This week I'm very excited to tell you about their Full Spectrum Hemp Oil. Ascent Nutrition's Full Spectrum Hemp Oil utilizes superior plant genetics and an organic proprietary blend of natural ingredients. Their hemp oil contains not only an abundance of CBD but 119 other phytocannabinoids found within the spectrum of the hemp plant. According to the National Center of Biotechnology Information, this strain is the gold standard in hemp genome sequencing. Ascent also uses a unique method that ensures infusion of significantly more phytocannabinoids and CBD than all other competitors they tested against including most of the leading cbd companies i challenge everyone in the audience that uses cbd as well as those of you who may have tried other cbd options and didn't get any results to try ascent nutrition's full spectrum hemp oil which is guaranteed to be much stronger and contains more phytonutrients than any others on the market just click the link in the description Or visit GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire purchase.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the idea is when you have a craft uh, in the sky, it has some sort of propulsion system. The friction with the air or what have you is causing it to register hot. Uh, Even birds register hot, you know, and so... When we have those, the FLIR cameras are thermal cameras that are very uh, precise and very sensitive. So they're picking up the temperature of these objects and they're registering very cold. So how is that possible? How is it possible to have a propulsion system to fly through space and have no, um, no temperature whatsoever? So, You know, these are the types of data points that tell us, okay, there's, there's, this is an anomaly of some sort, and so we we investigate it further and see if there are other correlations as well. So, but this is one of the big, you know, kind of data points that we uh, we captured on film as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Uh, You also captured plenty of what looked like to be these tic tac. UFOs, uh, which are apparently more common than uh, we think. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was crazy. You know, I was going in thinking, you know, let's just capture one really cool thing. But uh, we, when we were studying the data, we saw some of them were literally the same shape traveling exactly in the same way. People even can see that in the trailer. That was mind blowing. So I mean, are these the exact same ones? Okay, so they saw them in 2004, 2014, 15. You can only assume it's in the same area, doing the same behavior. Also, the ones falling down at 20,000 miles an hour, you know, 50,000 miles an hour. How does that work? Yeah, He said he saw them
0: raining. It looked like it was raining tic-tacs one time. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what we captured on camera in 2021. So, you know, it's, it's I mean, so is it a coincidence? I, I don't know. It's I, I doubt it because it's kind of keeps repeating the same pattern in the same area. Regardless, it's pretty extraordinary that we were even able to capture these things on our devices. You know, I mean, that's why and this is not this is rare. I mean, I've never seen that type of footage, uh, you know, anywhere, actually. So I'm yeah. very excited for people to see that in the film.
0: Yeah, this was like a, this is incredible footage. It was it was some of the most compelling UAP footage I've ever seen. Uh, but let's explore the possibility that you know these could be just some of our black project uh, technology that our own government has been hiding from us for a while. Uh, we know that they are always ahead, maybe 50, maybe 100, maybe more years ahead of what they're ever going to show us in technology. So how do we know that these things aren't earthly, aren't created by humans?
1: We don't. I think some of, some of them are created by humans. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Can I prove it at this point? No but there's, I mean, it just seems like it's very possible that we do have this technology and some of the things we've captured are human-made. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there are certain things that I am personally convinced that are not human-made. Again, can I prove it? We're doing that. I mean, we're <laughs> doing that, um, And but all the data points um, um, show or validate the fact that it's impossible for, for it to be human-made, because of the the way it morphs from light, you know, a light form to a material form, and it changes and it more. It, it, it's something that just just doesn't feel doesn't seem like it's human-made. So I think it's both, and that's the problem with ufology. You know, we think it's only one thing, but actually it's it's multiple things at the same happening at the same time. Some yeah, of it could and, also be atmospheric, for all we know
0: right you know so well, the, the really compelling ones are when you have like c e five experiences, and these things will respond to thoughts or uh you know if you're if you're kind of asking these objects to perform something through your consciousness, they'll respond to it, and those to me are some of the most compelling evidence that this may not be something that we're dealing with a drone or something like that, right.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've had those experiences as well, you know, and uh, I know there's an intelligence behind them. There's there's like no question in my mind. And so not just to see. I mean, I do my own version of the CE5. I mean, I've had I've seen things right above my head and you know, I kind of communicate like if you're there, if you're out there, whatever, uh, can you show me or tell me and then the things like split up, you know, in different um, kind of first it were three, then it was four, then it was eight. Uh, and also I would say, okay, well show me something else. And then I kind of start walking in one direction, you know, like half a mile. And the thing is hovering right above me. <laughs> you know, I change direction is like hovering right above me. I mean, you know, and so how do you, is that really coincidence? I mean, it's either that or I have some superpowers where I make things just show up and do what i want them to do and there was a witness there was a neighbor right there on that day and i said hey do you see these things that just split up in four and she was like she was walking her dog i'll never forget and she goes oh yeah that's interesting (laughs) and then she goes about her you know walking the dog like nothing happened i'd be like what (laughs) wait a minute so anyway this is also just to tell you how people's you know kind of reaction to things you know like uh and how how she probably just totally dismissed it she saw it she acknowledged it and then she she totally dismissed it so that's fascinating to me as well
0: yeah it is now your film it's also could provide possible evidence that these craft are using wormhole technology that's been theorized by many researchers over the years, uh, that these crafts have some type of technology that can open up a, a portal or a wormhole that can bring them from one either dimension or part of the galaxy to the other in an instant. And you may have even caught evidence uh, of this on film, right?
1: Yeah, so at the end, that was totally crazy. So we captured this anomaly that literally it's an opening and closing some sort of cloud but it's not a cloud because it's too fast for a cloud to open so and close and then there are actual reflective objects coming out of it so again these are hardcore scientists you know they're going to make sure it's not a camera glitch it's not this it's not that and so nothing's checking out and people will just see it in a movie how they go about figuring out what this thing is and the radar picks up reflective objects not radiation because it's literally this opening and closing and a bunch of little dots um, that actually they were able to measure which interestingly uh, enough uh, the measurement is the size of the tic tacs Uh, are they the same again we can't prove it but we're just showing the crazy uh, uh, correlation or similarities with these objects that were seen in 2004. So, so yeah, is it a wormhole? (laughs) We so far, it's the closest um, kind of uh, title (laughs) we can give this to uh, for now. But of course, these are scientists. They're not going to say, hey, we discovered a wormhole. It's going to take a lot more hours and days and months of investigation and, uh, you know, before they can claim anything, you know, they don't even know what a wormhole is. (laughs) I mean, in terms of like having captured it. So they don't have anything to say, well, that was a wormhole and here's another one, you know? So, so this is where we're at with that, but it's fascinating. But one thing we can say a hundred percent for sure, it is an anomalous event
0: yeah it's incredible uh if you go you know if you go watch the film and you see that footage it is incredible to watch Uh, i actually rewound it again just to see it a couple of times um i highly encourage everyone to go check that out now at the same time you were catching this anomaly Uh, didn't you have some camera malfunctions on other cameras yeah
1: so sometimes because we we had multiple sightings Sometimes when one thing would happen, the other stuff would break down sometimes. And so, so it was also the correlation was interesting because we hear a lot about um, things breaking down, the power going out exactly at the time that you have. We also had very a significant uh, gamma ray bursts and energy bursts exactly at those times, which also is an interesting correlation. How does that work? You know, why is that? You know, and so so we had so many interesting correlations of different things happening all at once that gives us that, that give us clues to how this phenomenon operates or the you know, the mechanism. The more we do that, of course, as scientists, we want to repeat that and, and do it over and over and then over time come to definitive conclusions but this has never been done before at this scale in this way. So it's a huge step forward in the world of ufology, I think.
0: It is. It's. It's definitely fascinating. Now, my thoughts on ufology, extraterrestrials, uh, interdimensional beings has definitely changed over the years, uh, especially after I've had my own experiences and you know spoken with many different brilliant people and researchers and had a better understanding of what's going on. It's changed over the years, and I, I no longer just strictly believe that these are. Maybe beings coming from different planets, but more likely different dimensions or different realms or different realities uh, that they have the technology to kind of breach through ours. And I want to get your thoughts on this, uh, whether you think they are coming interdimensionally or, you know, intergalactically traveling on, you know ships or ufos or uaps through the universe to to get here uh space travel or is it some something else that we don't quite understand yet
1: i think it's all the above chris and that's the that's the point some things are literally in our skies right now they're just in a different you know visual spectrum that we don't see them Mm -hmm. and and we know this is a fact because sometimes even just with the with the night vision you know with the infrared you can see something, but then you take off the goggles and you can't see anything. So so it's very possible keep going in that direction that there are literally huge ships right there, <laughs> but we can't see them. It's past the infrared spectrum that we have. So there's that. And there are others that I think are coming in and out. And so it's a little bit of everything, I think. So the idea is to figure out the mechanism that allows these things to happen, space travel to happen, you know, the science behind s- space travel, and, and then a lot of this can be explained. And uh, so, yeah, I think I think it's 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 not just one thing.
0: What do you think about the experiencers and contactees that claim to have been taking aboard craft, and the craft seem to be organic or living? Uh, and have uh, their own consciousness. That would add a whole different level to uh, space travel with, you know, having a, a conscious, organic, living craft, right?
1: Yeah, totally. I actually am 100% convinced that the more advanced you are, the more you are moving away from the material type technology, or at least it's a combination between consciousness and uh, technology, hard technology, material technology, because just because of these experiences that we've had, where you communicate with this craft and then it does something. So, you know what I mean? So there's something very fascinating about the entanglement, um, of consciousness with an actual craft. So I think the more advanced civilizations are definitely using, that sort of technology, not, uh, you know, nuts and bolts technology. Um, and so so I think we're not there yet. And these are the ones that I believe are the extraterrestrial ones. And you know, I also, um, in my, my work on consciousness, I have come across hundreds of people from all over, and I did a lot of regression therapy with them, where they would go kind of like a hypnosis type thing, where they would go and remember uh, these experiences. And the common denominator is, is fascinating. They all report very similar things where they are on a craft and it's all operated with consciousness. It's kind of like this morphed kind of version of what we think a craft should look like It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. That that brings whole new level. It's like an onion that you keep trying to unpeel, and, and there's never, ever an end to it. Uh, now, we talked a little bit about the possibility of these being ours, and yes, I agree that a lot of them are ours, but, you know, they're... Probably are a lot that aren't. Uh, right now, we're experiencing a lot of what people are calling disclosure in the media, and I don't call it that. You know, our own government, the Pentagon, and the military are talking about UAPs. They're bringing out information, but they're not really showing us anything new. Uh, they're painting it as a threat, and from every from every experience, from every contactee, from every abductee I've had on. Most of them, I'd say probably 80 to 90 percent, including myself, have had positive experiences. And if they started out as negative experiences, they've been regressed or they've had better understanding of the experience. And it becomes a more positive experience later on based on their understanding. Uh, every once in a while, you'll get the more nefarious negative experiences. But most of those I uh, appear to be military related because they'll have some kind of military person there during the experience uh so that makes me think that's another kind of human type experience and the the mainstream is really portraying this ufo as uh the uap thing as a threat uh so i want to get your thoughts on what's going coming out of our government media with ufos right now
1: Yeah, you know what, the whole disclosure thing uh, is interesting. I think we are the I mean, we are putting a material out that's getting every day more and more validated, you know, this film, for example. I mean, I don't see any other film that captures on tape in real time that many correlations and that many evidence of these anomalies. So that is disclosure, you know, is is anybody paying attention? I don't know. I mean, of course, a lot of people are. But what I'm saying is we are still waiting for the government to tell us what it is. And so they're starting to, you know, they are now, you know, especially with the congressional hearing, that was crazy, you know, that they're finally talking about it at that level, um, even though they're kind of claiming to not know very much. which is kind of embarrassing because, you know, again, you know, we are civilians and we were able to go out and do this in five days. It doesn't make sense that at a government level they are still saying that some of them didn't even know of some of the most famous cases um, of the, um, uh, the nuclear facilities. I don't know if you watch the congressional hearing, but anyway, all this to say, there's definitely an effort from the government's perspective to finally be talking about all of this. And to me, when it just comes out of nowhere—I mean, you know—from the 2017, this gradual uh, kind of disclosure or you know releasing of uh, reports—I don't know. There's got to be some sort of agenda, you know. Because why? Why all of a sudden?
0: Yeah. And, the, and, you know, the government media don't have the best track record for being honest about things and having our best interest in mind. So it, you know, makes me pretty wary.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the UAP report says we don't have this, we don't know this or that, you know, but just give us more money and we'll tell you more. Yeah, I, that, that doesn't s- sit well with me. Uh, but also, you know, but the fact that there's another thing. People think that when the government speaks, it's one body, like like one person that's going to tell us everything. But I think that's not how it really works. I think within the government, there are different divisions and different kind of factions or whatever, different groups and people who really, really know and other people who have no clue, really because they weren't briefed, or they don't believe, or what have you, and they don't have the data, so when these guys say, we don't know, it's because they really don't know, (laughs) you know, and when the others start to release something, it it gets confusing, so for us on the outside, when we are getting these uh, kind of messages, you know, that that it's about this, it's about that, it's very confusing, and that's why I feel that There is some sort of agenda going on uh, behind all of this. And so, and maybe one of the agenda is to keep us all confused. Of course, you and I are getting it, but I'm talking about the the general public.
0: Right. Do you think that there is at all any type of threat or anything we should have to fear from these uh, objects or anything associated with them?
1: Not extraterrestrials, because... If they were that advanced and they wanted to take over planet Earth, I mean, what are they waiting for? I mean, look at us. We're pretty pathetic. You know, we're still going to wars. We're still to war. We're still we're still invading countries. You know, we still have famine. We still have poverty. We're a mess. We don't get along. Uh, And so so it's very easy for for an enemy to just come and take over this planet, you know, if they have the technology. If they have the technology to get here, then they have the technology to take us out. You know what I mean? So that's the reason why I don't think there is a threat at all from an extraterrestrial perspective.
0: Right. Well, let's get to the other part of this. Uh, As well as uh, myself, everyone that has had profound contact, um, that has an understanding of it, That it's not nefarious and hasn't uh, they haven't been through a nefarious situation, has bettered their lives has uh, had and it it was a spiritual experience for him. They have they're seeking more knowledge now. It's a consciousness evolution um, and all the people that i know that have had profound et contact or spiritual contact or whatever one you want to call it are seeking better for their lives and doing better and they want to know you know the truth about their experiences and it makes me believe that this whole phenomenon is indeed a spiritual phenomenon and not anything that we should be worried about and it's for our consciousness evolution and it seems to be connected directly to each and every person on an individual level. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my experience, uh, Chris. You know, I have, n- I mean, I've had a few not so good experiences uh, with this whole subject, but in general, it's, it's totally improved my life. It's totally expanded my consciousness and understanding of how the universe works, uh, how we fit within the cosmos. I mean, all sorts of things all very, very, very positive for me and many, many people around the world. So, you know, it doesn't mean that those who did have negative experiences aren't real. I mean, are not telling the truth. I'm just saying, uh, there's the other side of the coin. Like I really feel in general, it's a benevolent energy. And, uh, just like on earth, there's a lot of good people and not so nice people. Uh, but, uh, in general, I think the intent, is a positive
0: one do you see a kind of mass evolution and consciousness awakening that has been going on and it seems to be uh, getting stronger across the planet right now more people either having experiences or seeking so it seems like a, a time a special time right now where people are either coming online or having these kind of profound experiences is this something you see as well
1: yes i think so i think i think we're evolving as a species anyway you know i feel like there's a general trend going in that in that direction and so i think there's you know i'm a believer that there's something bigger than us you know Uh, and, and i'm not talking about the extraterrestrial i'm talking about there's a bigger source of life a bigger uh energy that is in which we're all contained if you will and so i feel that that is the energy that's kind of moving uh, the evolutionary pattern of humanity and so that's how i that's my personal opinion Um, and so because of that i feel like we're going to continue to grow and evolve in that direction the direction of expansion freedom, um, direct access to cosmic information, cosmic energy, um, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think that we've uh, actually been seeing this for a while. Have you heard of more people having uh, contact experiences or uh, even, you know, UFO sightings or things of that nature?
1: Definitely, definitely. I think it's now more becoming more again, mainstream or more common. People aren't as afraid to be ridiculed uh, because, you know, the Navy and the Pentagon, the government's talking about it. So it's almost like they're giving us permission to be, you know, talking about it. And so more and more people are putting stuff out there. But, you know, the subject's been going on for you know hundreds of years. So, So this is an interesting time, you know? It is an interesting time where we can finally talk about this uh, without people kind of rolling their eyes or what have you. Um, And I'm hoping with with my film, for example, to keep this conversation going mainstream so that we understand what this is about. You know, the, the one aspect is the black projects and the whole government, this and that. But this phenomenon is not just that, you know, it it is about the mechanics of the universe, how everything fits together, works together, is connected together. What type of technology do we need to for intergalactic interstellar travel? I mean, that is what's so fascinating to me. And that's why we have to keep the dialogue.
0: Now, do you have you noticed that uh, more people are interested in PSI phenomenon and consciousness studies, I know that you do a lot having to do with consciousness studies.
1: I don't know about more abilities. I think they're recognizing more of these abilities, but at least they're Mm. more open to the idea. And that's what I'm saying. It's not just about UFOs. It's about the bigger picture. How does it all work? Who are we? You know, is this really the end of all? We come to this planet and then we I don't know, we, we mate, <laughs> we have families, and then we die and then we expire and that's it. There's gotta be a bigger story. And that's what I'm saying. So people are starting to accept more and more the idea that maybe I do have something called intuition. I don't know how it's measured or what have you, but maybe there is something that gives me the ability to pre-gog you know, the, the future or remote viewing or what have you. I mean. At least I think they're a lot more open to so many possibilities uh, at this time.
0: Now, how important do you think things like meditation or like we were talking about CE5 uh, can be to establishing contact uh, or even uh, contact with a UAP?
1: It's very important. I mean, it starts with quieting the mind. Because if your mind is all over the place, you know it's kind. Of, you have to think of your brain like a computer giving a signal. You know, if, if you are out there saying, "Oh, I want to communicate with a with a spacecraft or with an extraterrestrial," but then the other part of your subconscious mind is saying, "Oh, that's never going to happen." And then your other you know part of your brain is saying, "Well, how do I do that?" And are they out there? If you're like chit, you know, kind of my the mind chatter is all over the place you know you're sending all these conflicting signals and so that how are you even if even if somebody or or an extraterrestrial or anything was trying to communicate back with you you wouldn't even hear it because you're talking (laughs) you know and so that's what meditation does it kind of quiets the mind puts you in a state uh, this receptive state of consciousness that allows this sort of mind consciousness exchange. So it's very, very, very important.
0: Yeah, and I don't wanna to get too off topic, but that's something I've been looking at lately is the connection to human health and our our spiritual and conscious abilities. Uh, I know that there's, over the years, there's been a bombardment of, you know, basically poison that we've been eating through our food and water and air that probably, uh, inhibits our abilities to access some of these abilities. Um, do you think that this has a, a, a bearing on what we're able to do with our consciousness abilities as far as, you know, the food intake and our health?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really off topic because, again, we are part of a universe. You know, we are like, uh, you know, we have antennas. We are receiving information and energy, whether we see it or not. And we are sending out these signals as well, whether we see them or not. And so it's all part of the experience. And so if we are receiving information or sending out information that's harmful, you know, it's going to register in our body in some way. It's going to affect the chemistry, the electricity, our nervous system is going to react in a different way. It's going to mess us up. So it's, it's all connected and it's a revolving door the more our physical system is messed up, the more we send out the wrong uh, information and we receive the wrong signals as well. So, so it's all part of the same thing. And that's the reason why understanding how you function, how to get your, your centered, you know, being centered through meditation and other type work is the key to understanding what's on the outside as well.
0: Taking it back to the film a little bit. You earlier you were talking about how some people might see something in the sky or a UAP and they're standing next to somebody else and trying to get their attention and they never see it. And they never pay attention or if they do they're just like, "Yeah, whatever." Uh I, and you actually in this film, it's the same with some cameras, right? Some of the cameras picked stuff up and some others didn't.
1: Yeah, so I just want to clarify something because this was Jeremy, he says there was two cameras, but the two cameras, one was a fisheye and one was a regular camera.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: what what I wanna clarify is that, because people who understand optics would say, it's possible and it's normal for one camera with a certain focal length to to see something and not the other. But what I wanted to clarify is that it was a cloud and an object. So So he was still seeing the same cloud but it's the objects that couldn't be seen. If it was a camera issue, then he technically, he shouldn't be seeing anything. Does that make sense? Or the exact same thing, but not like half of the thing. So I think that's what he mentioned. And so that was kind of strange. Um, How is that possible? But also it's in the same way where you see something in the sky uh, you can't see it with the naked eye but then you put in the night vision or the infrared and then you see certain things i mean that tells us a lot about not just camera system but our vision you know there's so much that's happening that we have no idea it's there because we we can't see it
0: yeah and what do you think about the the instances where people are seeing a UFO or, or object in the sky and someone's right next to them looking in that same area and they don't see yeah. anything. Um, yeah. Do you think that there is some kind of, you know, consciousness effect for people or people who aren't in tune with certain frequencies can't even, won't be able to tune into it?
1: It's a little bit of both. It's a belief system uh, that is so strong that there's nothing out there, you know, keep saying that and you won't see anything out there um you know it's kind of like those ships you know in the 14th century or whatever you know you would look out they didn't know what a ship would look like so they would look out to the sea and never see a ship because they didn't have a concept of what a ship that that an object could be floating above water if that makes sense and so it's a little bit like that if you have a belief system that it's impossible for you to see an anomalous object flying down uh, flying up in the sky then even though you're looking in the sky you probably won't see it. there's that and there's the fact that you're not tuned into that frequency as well some people are more sensitive they can see beyond the spectrum so so it depends it's case by case but it's definitely a little bit of both
0: Now, what do you think is happening in certain places that are hotspots around the globe? But let's just take, for example, Skinwalker Ranch. Um, There's places like Mount Shasta, um, The Meadow, all these new type of places out west that are reporting tons and tons of not only UFO footage, but cryptid sightings, paranormal activity, and all this strange anomalous stuff that's Kind of concentrated into one specific area for some reason. Like they'll have a UFO and then uh, a Bigfoot sighting at the same time. And what are your thoughts on these kind of places of concentrated high strangeness energy?
1: Yeah, I, I think these hot spots have to do with the magnetic field around the planet. I feel there are certain parts within the magnetic field where the, you know, the magnetic field is. Concentrated, it's kind of there's intersecting points, and this is where space the fabric of space time gets warped, if you will like it's bent. And so, when you have an object going through it, then you're kind of bypassing, you're outside the fabric of space time, so you're outside space time, so you're defying gravity in a way, and you can just do all sorts of maneuvers, you know, with that. With the proper technology obviously so i believe that these are magnetic anomalies within uh, the space not just around the planet above us but also below us and so so these are what i call um you know this is this is why how i would explain some of these anomalies of course <laughs> it's a long way because before we can prove these things and and verify them scientifically with formulas and stuff but i feel that that's what's really happening also when you're warping space you're potentially bending light and so when you bend light in a certain way and you're looking at that location you know at that you know in that direction one minute you see something but then the the light is bent so then the next minute you won't see it again so, I feel there's something that has to do with something like that, where you're warping the fabric of space time through the magnetic field, and that's what's happening in these hot spots.
0: Now, do you think that there is some sort of connection between? Paranormal activity, spirits, ghosts, the afterlife, and extraterrestrials. With some of these hotspots, some of these uh, things kind of coincide and kind of mesh together. Uh, not only that, a lot, a lot of the phenomena in general has these crossovers. And I want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I don't know how. I don't really know how to kind of express this, but I think you're making the connection between the spirit world and extraterrestrials. And I think it's, it's kind of, it goes back to the dimensional space. You know, all of these entities, whether they're deceased relatives like a ghost or something, uh, or an extraterrestrial exist. they're here right now, but they are in this, again, this spectrum, right, you know, above or below our visual spectrum that we don't really see them. So to me, it's more, that's the common denominator. It's a kind of, it's a dimensional issue. It's a dimensional question. And mm-hmm. and that's why when we tap into deceased relatives, we you, like, for example, if you can start to see angels, you probably can see extraterrestrials. You know what I mean? Because, because it's about the spectrum you're tapping into this additional spectrum of information, that additional dimension, where all you start to see what else is out there. And, and that's what I think is, is common to all these things.
0: Now, I know it's hard to tell uh, with the amount of data out there, but do you think that there has been more sightings in the past few years? Do you think there's that sightings of UAPs are increasing overall?
1: I don't know if they are increasing, to be honest. I think it's, uh, it's more that more people are reporting them because it's okay now to report them or they're recognizing some of the areas that have the most sightings and going there. So I, I don't know really. Like, I can't say that it's definitely more. I think it's more that we are reporting them and recognizing where they are. That's my take on it.
0: I think you're right. Uh, You know, and it's easier now for people to share information and share pictures with the Internet and things of that nature. But it's also easier for people to fake things and put false information out there. And that's another thing that I want to talk about you before we close out is the kind of infiltration uh, three-letter agency individuals into the UFO community. I think that's done intentionally to muddy the waters, and I want to get your thoughts on that, and if you see the same thing of uh, kind of this infiltration of, you know, former three-letter uh, agency individuals coming in and muddying our uh, community up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this this is, again, this is all uh, part of the whatever agenda there is, you know, they've always been there. They've, you know, and depending on what the agenda is, they're going to try to do whatever's necessary. So, uh, again, this is nothing new. That's what's so fascinating. Chris is that, you know, what we're talking about is it has been happening for the longest time. The only difference is that now it's coming out. You know, it's you know, it's being revealed more and more. And uh, that's what's so very, very fascinating at this juncture to see how these other entities are going to start reacting. You know, Uh, what's the next chapter is for them. But I think, you know, for people who are interested in the subject or in any similar subject, you know, it's 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 really about us. It's about that's what I did with the film. I was like, okay. The government is not telling us this, not telling us this. There is no scientific anything uh, that's been done. So maybe it's up to us to go out and do it from scratch. And that's what we did. So in the same way, I'm hoping that this film will continue encouraging people to, regardless of what the government's doing, whoever's three letter agencies are doing, doesn't really matter. This is the best time ever to be out there, to, put, to be putting out credible um, uh, information to push this disclosure uh, further. And that's what I'm hoping this film is going to do as well.
0: Right on. Well, the film is excellent. I highly recommend everyone go and see it. Uh, is there any other projects that you're currently working on that we can look forward to?
1: Well, I mean, my gosh, you saw what we found in this film. So now I have like a ton of ideas, you know, oh, we <laughs> yeah. should go out and do this and do this. So I have a few projects lined up, you know, based on what, what we found for sure. It's a bit uh, premature to, you know, to be talking or saying anything uh, definitive, but it's uh, definitely, uh, definitely uh, <laughs> the projects are starting to, to pile up uh, because of, Uh, what we found and the implications of what we found and the data that we still are going through. So uh, I'll let you know.
0: (laughs) That's great. Well, this was fantastic. We're going to definitely have you back on. When the next one comes out, uh, let the audience know where they can find you and all of your work.
1: Yeah, so they can watch the film on Amazon, on iTunes, but the best thing is probably to go to the website, atearinthesky.com. Uh, because they'll see all the platforms there. And also, if we have any additional data, any additional information, you know, they can always go back to the website. So, atearandthesky.com.
0: I love it. Well, that was great. Thank you so much, Caroline. We will definitely be talking again in the future.
1: Thanks so much, Chris. This was awesome.
0: Yes, it was. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See you then.